Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, rise to me, rise to meet me, rise to meet me and shake my hand. Put your head on my shoulder and call me home. My dear friend, my heart, my former self, my dream of me, my moon underwater. sky. Moon, moon, you make me cry. Moon, moon, I watch you till I die. Moon, moon, full of craters and decay. Moon, moon, I despise you, nay. I don't know if you know who the poet that wrote that was, Robin. You're probably thinking John Donne. Des Lynam. Des Lynam, maybe Shakespeare himself. Do you want to guess who the poet who wrote those words was? I mean, um... Is it Dryden? Are you maybe thinking of John Dryden? Would it be uh, George Herbert, the the religious poet who also sounds like a drum and bass DJ? It's Georgie Herbert! It could be George (laughs) Herbert. Could it be John Clare? Oh, I love John Clare. I love John Clare. The peasant poet. The peasant poet. I'm afraid, no. It's neither John Clare, John Dunn, John Dryden... It's John Robbins from 7G. The pleasant poet. The pleasant poet, as just a young 12-year-old, wrote those very lines. Really? You wrote that when you were 12? Yeah. I was about how you hate hate the moon. Yeah. <laughs> no! Did you not hear the final line? Oh, nay. Moon, moon, I despise you, nay. I despise you, nay. Right. Yeah, I sort of. I wasn't. It didn't. It did to begin with. It sounded like you didn't like the moon. Well, no, it, it makes me cry because it's so beautiful, and I watch it till I die because I love it so much. You watch it till you die. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Where did you? How did you? Um, why did you write that? <laughs> well, we had to write some poetry for just some sort of assignment, and amongst the usual tick boxes, squirrels, autumns, leaves, conkers. Yeah, uh, I threw in pretty moving poem about the moon and also one about a matchbox 
Oh, that's nice. You can do big and small. Yes. This is John Robbins famed for doing, what was it, the, was it a batik, the wax, uh, what's the name of that art form with we drip wax? On? It's, it is a batik, yeah. A batik, you did sort of one of the, the crucifixion, didn't you? Yeah, on holiday in Thailand. We're, the crucifixion yeah. on holiday. <laughs> we, we, I was on holiday in Thailand with my then girlfriend and everyone at the uh, resort was doing, ba- we did a batik class. Most people did uh, waves, turtles, starfish. Robins, no, uh, attempted the crucifixion. <laughs> right. <laughs> but not just Jesus's cross, not just him, Barabbas, and the other one who I don't think is actually named in the uh, in the New Testament. I, I thought you did that at school for some reason, which I don't know if is less weird or more weird. It's, no, I did it when I was 20 years old in Thailand. I think it's more weird. I've still got it somewhere. Tricky to... I hung it on my room in in a uni, didn't I? You should use it as a tablecloth or hang it up behind the bar. Yeah, sort of a... Yeah, maybe I will hang it up behind the bar, actually. It's an odd thing if you go into someone's room at uni. It's a bit of a red flag. Well, it's more of a waxy flag, isn't it? Sort of a waxy flag. You've got a Velvet Underground poster, a Mogwai poster, and then a batik of the crucifixion. With the blood running down the hill, Golgotha, the mountain of skulls. Sorry, I know quite a lot about the crucifixion and other parts of the Bible. I didn't just zone in on that. Uh, anyway, you did this batik of the crucifixion and you wrote this poem about the, the moon. I'm just saying you, you were a very intense young man. Yes, and I'd say that's probably only tailed off in very recent years. I've sort of chilled out. Right. Yeah, but I, the reason I was thinking about that poem is because the moon underwater provides me with succour and solace and acts as a salve in stressful times, because I've had a pretty stressful day today. Oh, God, what's been going on now? Oh, don't get me est. Don't get me started, mate. Just an awful lot of bureaucracy in the world these days. And sometimes you kind of want to go, no, I'm sorry, I don't accept this. Let's do. Let's use common sense. But the world goes. Well, actually, no. You've got to. Sorry, we do have to do it like this. And you're like, why? It's stupid. You're in charge of the bureaucracy de change. You're you're an agent of change of bureaucracy. Well, but I'm not. I'm in charge of all. I'm in charge of is my reaction to it, and that's the thing. And that's how you end up being a more chilled out person in later years, I guess. All I can really control. When up against the forces of your red tapes, your admins, is to go, all right, I'll fill out the form. I'll re-download the thing. We'll go again. I'll resend the proof of address. We'll go again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So you just get through it. But the moon, I have to say, the moon underwater this evening is a much needed respite. Because, folks, we've got some very exciting news. After... Literally years, because it's more than one year, we are now able to do what we had meant to do all along, which is to provide you with the Moon Underwater Live. Now, listen very, very carefully to what I'm about to say, because there's so many subclauses and caveats, (laughs) Uh, but the headlines are... Pretty clear. We are doing live recordings of the Moon Underwater in the Moon Underwater, right? In the <laughs> in the correct realm, 
but we also have to represent ourselves in the real realm. Okay, so we're crossing the threshold. You're adding in these subclauses now, because <laughs> this, this isn't on the piece of paper I've got. I don't think you need to stress about the fact that we're doing live shows that aren't imaginary. Let's just forget, get that, take that out of the equation. The live shows are real, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the live shows are real. I cannot stress that enough. And they're happening in a real pub in the real realm. Tickets are on sale now. And now is Sunday the 4th of July because patrons get the episodes one day early. Tickets are on sale now on Sunday the 4th of July for patrons in the top tier. As part of their uh, patronly benefits, you get 48-hour pre-sale access to any live tickets. There is an announcement on the Facebook page for all patrons, the uh, Moon Underwater Social Club Facebook page. Tickets go on general sale on Wednesday the 7th of July at 10am. Now, there may not be tickets left at that point because they have all been snapped up by top-tier patrons, but that is one of their patronly benefits. Please understand when I say there is no perfect way to do a pre-sale. And trust me, I have looked into every single nook, cranny, booth and escarpment. But pre-sales are just always a bit fiddly. Anyway, the live dates are 15th of August, the 22nd of August, the 5th of September, the 19th of September and the 26th of September, Sundays. And they are all taking place at the George IV in Chiswick. For Legends Underwater, just to reiterate, our tickets are on sale now. There is no guarantee of tickets and no guarantee of how many tickets will be left for general sale, but there is a limit to the amount of tickets that patrons can buy. You can't just go up and buy all the tickets. I think it's a limit of four tickets per order. For everyone else, any remaining tickets will be on sale 10am Wednesday the 7th of July. For links to buy, head to our Twitter page or go to moonunderpod.com. At the moment, we are putting a limited number of tickets on sale in accordance with government guidelines. It will be up to you to make sure your group stays in line with current rules. There is a chance, if government guidelines allow, that we can put more on sale at a later date. And if we do make more tickets available, patrons will get 48-hour priority access to those as well. Patrons in the top tier, that is. I'm sorry if it sounds like we're making it more complicated than it is, but ticket pre-sales are a pain in the A. But that doesn't mean they're not worth doing. Especially because we record these podcasts before time. So there is a kind of slightly confusing aspect of saying today is yesterday and tomorrow is in five weeks' time and stuff like that. Yeah, as he downs his Asahi Shandy. Oh, that's nice. Well, I'd had th- I'd had three bottles of cor. I wasn't meant to drink today. Cards on the table. A stressful work related thing happened. Now the cores on the table. They came calling sling calls sling, and um, yeah. <laughs> I thought I'll sod it. Make a curry. Have a cause. I've got about six different phone calls about to happen from various people, and I enjoyed my cause very much actually, and I made a curry. Just a simple prawn madras masala for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. And then afterwards I thought, well, I don't really want another beer. I thought, hang on, shandy is always an option. Yes, love a shandy. And speaking of options, Robin, I had to sign for the mist mail today. Oh, okay, sorry, I think I was in the... Because you were in the toilet. 
I was in the shower. You're in the shower in the pub. Well, yeah, we've got a shower. Yeah, we do actually out the back. Yeah. Uh, so Rob was in the shower, so I sighed for the mist mail. Do you want to? Do you want to hear my sigh, Robin? Just don't copy it though. Oh right. Okay. Go on. <sighs> oh, that's that's nice. That's sort of quite resigned. But it's not like grumpy. It's quite content. A contented sigh. Maybe sort of sigh when when you climb a hill and look at a view. Yeah, I'll just do it once more to show I can replicate it. <sighs> Mine's more of a kind of. Oh, disappointed, disappointed one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard that so many times. Uh, Anyway, this is from Sam Ruddick. Hi, John. Before I start, I'd just like to say how much I enjoy the podcast. It's not a podcast, uh, Sam. It's an emittance from within a pub's mind. And the guests you've had. I wasn't aware of Emma Inch before hearing her, but I've since looked up some of her work and I've really enjoyed what I've read. Amen to that, Sam. My question might be more suited to the lovely Robin than yourself, but I, like I imagine many listeners do, have been trying to decide what I would have in my dream pub. I would want a lager for one of my draft choices, and the lager that springs to mind is Jupila, a Belgian lager. Jupila. Jupila. Mm, I think. Or Jupila. J-U-P-I-L-E-R, a Belgian lager which was the only draft choice in the only public bar and the ski resort I worked in when I was 18. In my head, this was the nicest, most drinkable lager I've ever had. But I cannot decide if this is because it really is that nice, or, which is probably more likely, because it's the drink I associate with a time in my life when I had the most fun. Very little responsibility and real freedom for the first time. I've kept an eye out for it since, but it's not something I've ever come across where I live up in Newcastle or where I've been in a bar in another city. Is it a drink Rob is familiar with? And is it the lovely pint I remember or just a generic run-of-the-mill lager? Whatever the case may be, will not alter my decision to have it as one of my draft choices. It could just be a rebranded Foster's and it would still be special to me. But I would love to know what it's really like. Warmest regards to you both. Sam Ruddick. Well, I head over to our regular lager expert... And larder expert. Larder expert. The, well, um, I think this is a classic uh, issue that's being raised here, which is a, a drink made beautiful by memory, isn't it? You know, we're getting quite a few of those choices. Do people like it or do people like the memory of it? But yes, I have had Jupila, but I only seem to have had it in Holland. So for some reason, I always thought in my mind it was Dutch, but it is Belgian. Apparently sponsors the Belgian Football League according to producer Matt, who lives in the room above the shower in the moon underwater. (laughs) Certainly does. Well, Sam, if I could also draw your attention and also uh, everyone's attention to Perfect Draft Keg. Mm. Have you seen this, Rob? It it sort of was very big in lockdown, people getting these home draft uh, systems that you can put these sort of big six-litre kegs into. Yeah, yeah. And Jupila is actually available. Jupila. Ju, sorry. And Jupila is actually available in a six litre keg for the perfect draft system. Now, I have looked into the perfect draft system and there's been a waiting list for three months. but it, I, it's like the allotment, you know. It's it's kind of uh, being on the waiting list for an allotment, or being on a waiting list for a kind of in-house draft system. Yes, those are the two different kinds of waiting lists you get on in your kind of mid thirties, aren't they? But you you can, uh, Sam, you can get Jupiler uh, bottles of Jupiler online, but that therein begs the question: Do you want to find out whether that drink? 
has been made beautiful by memory, or do you want to leave it as memory's perfect pint? It's, it's such a good question. I mean, I always remember liking it very much, but again, I mean, I was drinking it on tour in Holland, in bars in Amsterdam, or in, in, in Denmark. Do you want to, Robin, open a bottle of it in your sordid little grief hole? <laughs> or do I want to open a bottle of it in 2013? Exactly. Answers 2013. <laughs> That's desire for you. If you met your holiday romance, that sort of fleeting two nights in Tenerife or whatever, <laughs> do you actually want to meet them in your local Costa and and hang out with them? Or do you want to leave them walking away down that boulevard, down that vista? Is this how you break up with people? Are you sure you don't <laughs> want to just walk endlessly down the vista? Down the, what are you doing to me, John? <laughs> Just keep walking down the boulevard. <laughs> you know, reality. One, what's that quote? One cannot bear. One, you know it. Man cannot bear too much reality, or something like that. Yeah, and the same applies to to women. Some things are are perhaps best left in that further realm. <laughs> that said, uh, Jupiler is available for two twenty five. From beermerchants.com, the Belgian beer company, <laughs> or uh, the drink shop. Yeah, so Sam, it's really just up to you. It's up to you. How do you want to live your life? Do you want to live in the past or do you want to live in the future? Mm. That's a very good question. But I, I mean, Jupiter's quite nice. Yeah, it is. I think it's quite nice. To answer your question. Uh, so, folks, sorry. I'm so sorry. I've come into the moon and the water with a little bit of baggage. The moon underwater has calmed me down. But we need to really get our game faces on for our guests this week. We're very excited about the live shows. We do hope you can join us. But we've got a good guest. We've got a great guest. And I'm sorry, there's a few negative atoms floating around. (laughs) So I need to get my atom vacuum. Rob, you had the atom vacuum the last time. Well, that's what I shower with. Oh, I see, because it removes the sweat atoms. Yeah. Okay, well, that's okay. I see. Well, I'll go and get the atom vacuum from upstairs, remove some of the negative, uh, well, hopefully all of the negative atoms, and we can all just chill out and give our guest the very best of order because it's an absolute delight to have her here. What's that sound? It's It sounds like a dog barking and then being securely tied up outside the pub. What a wonderful sound that is. And yes, the door is opening to welcome into the pub this week's guest. It's Angela Barnes. Hello, Angela. Hello, John. And I'm sorry, my dog is coming in the pub with me. I'm not leaving it outside. Ah. Are you mad? <laughs> I don't want to have to have the police come to the moon underwater for the first time. I tell you what, because it's a desire pub of the mind, we can create a miniature separate dog pub. Okay. With sort of dog pints and dog treats that is sort of just completely sealed off. 
Is there, is there also a sealed off section for children? Because if you let children in there and not dogs, I'm leaving right now. Yeah, there's a kids' pub next door. There's a children's <laughs> pub next door. Which does serve alcohol, actually. Which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, children are allowed in between 11.59am and midday. Perfect, uh, perfect. At uh, the Mirror of the Water. And dogs are allowed access to the separate dog pub. I'm more than willing, uh, over the course of this evening, to explore dog areas in pubs. But right now, uh, you're in the Moon Underwater. You're not yet in your dream pub. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so just have to abide by certain dog-based criteria. But Angela, comedian, broadcaster, Cold War and nuclear event expert. Enthusiast. Well, enthusiast is definitely not the right word, is it? Nerd, let's say. Yeah. But also, you're one of the great pints folk of your generation. <laughs> oh, can I have that in writing? That's made my day. You absolutely can. One of the leading pint enthusiasts. And what are you drinking tonight? I see you've got a drink in your hand. Tonight, I am drinking a uh, West Berkshire Brewery Good Old Boy Best Bitter. Ooh. That's what I'm drinking tonight. We had a delivery of them today. And yeah, it's nice. 4%. So, you know, session-ish. So, Angela, what are your early pub experiences? Where did you grow up and what was the pub landscape? So, I grew up in uh, in Maidstone in Kent, sort of typical market town, not very exciting. Comedians always have a look of horror on their face when I, you mention you're from Maidstone because it was um, designated, I think, the third least liked place to do comedy by comedians after, like, Liverpool. Well, Hazlitt Theatre, Maidstone. Yeah. Hazlitt Theatre, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's... um. I can say it. It's a shithole. I feel about my hometown like you do about a sibling. You know, it's that I can slag it off. <laughs> but if anyone else does, then I get a bit... Hang on, come on. Here's what I would say about Kent. It has probably... The biggest sort of range from S-hole, as you say, to completely and utterly beautiful. In the whole country, it's the county that goes from one extreme to the other the most. Because I always remember gigs in Kent. I found them really, really hard. So, like, South End isn't in Kent, is it? That's Essex. Yeah. I, I made the mistake of describe, <laughs> saying I was in Kent when I was at the Cliffs Pavilion South End. But Ooh. Chatham's in Kent, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It? Oh, yeah. And that I always found quite a tough gig. But then I went to stay with my fiance in a mill, which actually featured on Sandy Toxvig's amazing getaways recently. <laughs> this 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 Airbnb mill, which is just stunning. It was near Hastings. It was just a beautiful countryside. It's Garden of England, but unfortunately, well, as I always say, if Kent's the Garden of England, Maidstone's where they've hidden the old fridge and a piss stain mattress. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Angela, have you read a book called All the Devils Are Here by David Seabrook? Which is a, I haven't, no. It's, it's great. It's a kind of um, psychogeographical tour around Kent. <laughs> because he does the kind of Dickens thing, allusions and things. It's really, really weird book. It's brilliant. Do you know a guy called Gareth Rees? Does similar sort of... He's a psychogeographist, does, but he's based in Hastings, so that's just into Sussex, but does similar sort of things for that area. So what were the pubs like in Maidstone? Well, I grew up sort of fairly near the town centre, so they were your town centre pubs. The one that I used to go to a lot when I was younger, there was a real, I grew up in the 90s in Maidstone, it was a real Friday night you go to the pub underage, that was fine. 
we used to go to a pub called The Hog's Head, which is still, when I go back and visit friends and family now, it's still the pub I want to go to. It's now called the Druid's Arms for some reason. But um, And has it, so the pubs in my hometown of Thornbury, there was probably about a 10-year period where I hadn't been to a pub in Thornbury after having gone to them twice a week for quite a few years. And they all had their own reputations. The Swan was really rough. The Barrel was slightly alternative. The Knot of Rope was kind of your nice average pub that was the pub we went to the most that was the one where you're most likely to get served really wasn't it yeah you had the goth pub was the it was called the minstrel and then it changed name to ye oldie thirsty pig (laughs) um but it'll always be the minstrel to my and then you had your biker pub which was the albion or the bin as we used to call it and then you had the hogshead which was us more sort of slightly indie kids and then you had the tut and shive which i was absolutely devastated to go back to maidstone recently and find the tut and shive which is the pub i spent most of my time in growing up and really love that is now a bloody paddy power betting oh it's grim what really struck me when i went back after 10 years is that all of those pubs so the the knot of rope the barrel the swan and the white lion had all obviously changed management and totally changed their personality. So suddenly your world, it, all your reference points are out of whack because the Swan, the rough pub that I would have, I would have literally had the shit kicked out of me if I'd gone into it, is now a sort of gastro pub. And you're thinking, hang on. Yeah. And and the White Lion is like a pub that sort of specialises in a certain type of Thai food. You think, no, it's not. <laughs> Don't get me started on Thai food in a pub. I get really upset by Thai food. In a- I love Thai food, but I'd like it in a Thai restaurant. In a pub, I want roast dinners. I want comfort heavy. I don't want a Thai meal with a pint of ale. Well, you want it with a bottle of Riesling. That's why you're, just, you're, you're matching it to the wrong <laughs> alcohol. The barrel, going back to Thornbury, I think is now like a... It's changed its name, but it's now like a craft beer place, which sounds just bizarre. Well, it went through a brief period of being quite a high-end sort of gastro place but i think now it's a craft place but it just sort of throws all of your throws you off off whack i suppose it, i don't know what a cycle of a pub is that there's you know how long it is because i suppose it's just you and your contemporaries when you were drinking there that pub will forever be that in your mind but whoever was there 10 years earlier than you probably thought that it was all wrong when we were going there do you know what i mean i, I wonder what the lifespan is of a personality of a pub I, was, I remember once we went to... What was the one that was opposite the knot, John? This is very localised stuff. Well, there there isn't a pub opposite it. But opposite and down the road. That's the That was the white, uh, the white Lion. Yeah, I remember we went in there kind of after... A long time after school. And we saw someone from school at the bar. And he was saying, like, nothing had changed. And you said, oh, you know, why don't you move to Bristol? You know, it's not far away. And he goes, it's not that simple, John. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that. It's, it's like he was stuck in the white lion forever. You couldn't ever escape. I do remember like I do remember going away to university and then going back after sort of three or four years, you know, and you've gone and sort of grown up and and you're like, Oh, everyone's still going to the same pub and doing the same Yeah thing and you yeah, felt yeah. terribly sophisticated going back and being like, Well, I've gone away and gone to university actually, so But does is part of you not slightly envious? Oh, hundred percent. Because they they belong there more than I do. I gave it up. I went away to find other things, whereas they still belong. And there's something about... For me, it's the hog's head in Maidstone, which I cannot call the Druid's Arms, even though it's been that for probably 20 years now. It's It'll always be the hog's head to me. And there's something upsetting about that when I walk in there and I don't know anyone now and I don't belong there. 
because I used to belong there. And it's, yeah, you want to go, don't, don't you know who I am? I, I used to be here three times a week. Will your pub that you're creating, will it be an attempt to recreate the Hogshead? Talk us through the vibe. What's the atmos? What's the furnishings? What's the layout, maybe? I think had we been doing this 10, 15 years ago, it probably would have been like a town centre, bustly pub. But now, that's, I just don't want that at all. I'm really into sort of brutalist architecture and mid-century design and stuff. But when it comes to pubs, no. I am all, I want horse brasses. I want low ceilings. I want wooden beams. I want nooks. Nooks are the most important thing to me. I don't want to feel like I'm sat in a departure lounge of an airport. I want to be able to hide in a pub. There's a pub in Brighton called The Lion and Lobster. And I love that pub because it's quite a big pub in terms of its footprint. But it's virtually important. Somebody says to you, I'll meet you in the Lion and Lobster. You'll spend half an hour looking for them. And that's what I love because it's just little nooks and crannies and booths. And, and even the outside bit has little covered bits and bits behind hedges and little. I just like to be able to go to a pub with the people I want to be in the pub with and, and hide a bit. Yeah. yeah. The magic of the yeah. pub. <laughs> I wonder if the nook and the booth serve a very basic human need to sort of be hidden and yet known thoughts. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, have either of you ever been to the Crown in Belfast? Yes. Which has been rebuilt. I mean, they have got the most incredible nooks because, I mean, and I can't believe I'm saying this, they've got doors, but like, I mean, how, why is that so exciting? It it's really just, I mean, is, though. I know what a door is. <laughs> a pub with a but snug. Like can, I think if you find a pub yeah. with a snug, that's like jackpot, isn't yes. it? If you go yeah, to yeah. a pub you've never been to before and there, there's no one in the snug, hallelujah, mm. that's perfect. But in the crown, you can get into a little nook, close the door, oh. and it's like you're in your own tiny pub. It's a a beautiful pub. My brother lives in Belfast. I'll have to check that out. You know you're saying, Rob, your favourite pub is the pub off Reeves and Mortimer that's in the organ. Yes, yeah. That's what those nooks are like. They're like sort of five miniature little pubs within a pub. Yes. Yeah, that is what I want. And that is why, I will say it, I've got a lot of time for Waxy O'Connors in Soho. Have have you been (laughs) there recently? I do like Waxy O'Connors. I've been there for a long time. That was my favourite pub in London before I moved to London. Yeah. Well, I'm still a newbie, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, Angela, in this pub, this binooked, beboothed pub, we've got to start talking about your options, your drink options. So you've got two draft, and you did text me in advance of this to say you were were struggling. It's so painful. I'm really struggling because so much about what I want to drink depends on what mood I'm in. But I will say my my pub has no wine in it. Ooh, early hints to a very controversial selection. I do have port. I have a tawny port. But not on draft. Not on draft, no. No, so we stick with draft. Okay, I've got no cider in my pub because I don't like cider. So I've got two draft beers. And I cannot tell you how many times I've crossed out and uncrossed things, but I'm stick. This is it now. So first of all, I've got a neck oil on draft, a Beaver Town neck oil. I like a neck oil because it's sort of slightly summery, quite a fizzy beer. You know, if it's warm, refreshing. Makes me shit myself within ten seconds of tasting it. It, re- it really gives you a tawny port, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 well, I still drink it. I still yeah. love it. I love. I love neck oil. <laughs> 
But yeah, we've just yeah we've discussed before the the, the harrowing side effects for John. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> But yes. Oh, that's upsetting. You know when they put Mentos in Diet Coke? Mm. Yeah. That's what's oh, happening in, in my stomach when uh, I drink neck oil. <laughs> I remember about, it must have been when it was about six years ago. So when I first started going out with Matt, when we first got together and we went to the pub with, with Ramesh, Ranganathan, and they had neck oil on draft in this pub. So I was really, I think it was the first time I'd seen it on draft anywhere. So I was really excited. And, uh, and Ramesh went to the bar and uh, I said, oh, can you, what do you want? I said, a neck oil. He said, I'm not fucking asking for that. Get a normal drink. <laughs> <You can't> really? Because <laughs> really? yeah, it's like a poncy craft beer. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of remember that. I think the first time I had it was in the Dagda. And I thought I was quite put off by the name. Yeah. I thought it was kind of a bit kind of ye ale e kind of trying to be kind of mm. quite crafty and camera-y or something. I don't know. That's my go-to summer refreshing beer. Definitely. Great choice. Okay, so what's what's choice number two? So choice number two is a Longman Best Bitter. Hmm. Because um, I wanted a proper sessiony bitter. Like I say, I can only have three drinks at a time these days. So I want something that I can drink slowly and sup and is just nice and, you know, I'm not going to drink it really quickly. And a nice malty Best Bitter for... A long afternoon, Sunday afternoon drinking with a roast dinner. That's and Longman is a local brewery to me, and, the, and so lots of the pubs around where I live in Brighton have it. And um, yeah, that's the one I settled on. So Neckoid and Longman. On. Talk us through the flavour profile of Longman Best Bitter, and uh, do you have a percentage to hand? I do, John. Uh, Longman is four percent, which um, I quite like a, a bitter that even less than that, like a three point eight. That's quite kind of optimum, but but the long man's like, and it's very malty, got a nice sort of chocolatey malty feel to it, which I quite like that in a bitter. Superb. So um, that's my choice there for the draft. Great stuff. So those are your two draft uh, choices. We're going to come to this very controversial bottle selection soon. Um, but before then, <laughs> so you live in Brighton, which is a great pub town. Like one of the great pub towns. I think one of the most pubs per capita in the country, I think, Brighton. So you great pub towns, I'd say Bristol, Edinburgh, Oxford, Cambridge, Brighton. I'm always amazed that bad pubs are able to survive in those high-density good pub towns. So maybe you don't have to mention any names, but are there some really bad pubs in Brighton? Because I always just think of the good ones. Have you ever been in the Kings and Queens in Brighton? No, where's that? Oh, the King and Queen. It's it's the sort of pub I hate. It's the sports bar pub, you know. But it's called like Ye Olde King and Queen and it's got a beautiful sign and it's all sort of Tudor styled and you think, oh, this will, you know, oh, this looks lovely. And then you go in and it's, oh my God, it's the worst pub in the world. So yeah, that's, that's my least favourite pub in Brighton, probably. I'm sure there are... I mean, there's Weatherspoons here. I, I avoid Weatherspoons at all costs, so they're probably bad, I assume. Do you ever go to the... Is it the Hand in Hand or the Bird in Hand? Kemp Town? The Heart in Hand. Yes, right. What's it called? Sorry again. There's the Heart in Hand. There's a heart and there's a hand. I know that. <laughs> is it the one with... The, it's got a brewery in it? Am I thinking of the right one? There's a few that have got microbreweries in now. You've got the North Lane pub has a brewery and has a little Brighton beer microbrewery and so that we go there quite a lot we go there we used to go there quite a lot before they all shut for a big pub the north lane pub is quite a big airy one but it's one of the ones i don't mind so much because it's just got a bit of character and it's nice yeah 
That's nice. I feel like on this, you know, because obviously we're recording this in lockdown, I feel like we're in a detective show, you know, where people keep having to correct themselves to the past tense because someone's died. Yeah, they keep having to say, oh, I drink in there. I, I mean, I drank in drank there. Drank in there. there. <laughs> God, I miss the pub so much. Hey, man. Band is so good, man. Yeah, they're, they're all right. Yeah, they're, 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 they're rocking it up. Yeah, man. Solo is like speaking to my soul, man. Yeah, I can sort of feel it. I can feel it speaking to me, my soul. It's quite. It's taking quite a long time to say whatever it's trying to say. Yeah, so sweet, man. I mean, it's. It's. If anything, it's. It might be too long. Yeah, man. Life's too long, man. The solo is like life. Yeah. I, I think it is too long now. To, I might. I might go to the pub actually. Don't go to the pub. You're gonna miss the end of the solo. Can you just tell me what happens at the end? I'm off to the moon underwater. So, uh, Angela, you've given us a little sneak sneak peek as to what lies in store, but what are your two bottles of choice? Okay, so one I, I gave a spoiler for is a bottle of Tawny Port. Uh, I just go with Taylor's Tawny Port. I'm not fussy. It doesn't have to be an expensive port. I just, it's Christmas to me, a port. And if I've had a roast dinner in a pub, I might have a port afterwards, just to sort of, you know. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And do you ever mix port with anything else? Because I know I know someone who's a big advocate of the port, lemon and brandy mix, but that is a real brain obliterator. Yeah, no, I've never. My nan always drank port and lemon, but um, no, I'm port, just port. And do you drink that outside of Christmas? Do you know, I don't really. And, and I don't really know why i guess it's because it's that's just what we've always had at christmas a bottle of port so we when we buy our christmas drinks in the house we buy a bottle of avocado a bottle of port and that's the christmas taken care of um and then <laughs> when they're gone well they're usually gone by the end of november and we have to buy another bottle of avocado and another bottle of port and then rinse and repeat but then come january once it's all run out we never we don't replenish again until next winter and i don't really know why because I love a snowball as well. Like, why do we only drink snowballs at Christmas? I don't know. I think it's because they're so good that you overdo it and they get so sickly. Yeah, that could be it. That you think, right, I need a, I need a, a 12-month break from a snowball. So it's like, it's why we only have mince pies at Christmas, right? That's And also, so to make you feel Christmassy. If you had it all year round, you wouldn't feel Christmassy when you got a snowball. But Your choices, for me are so far really fitting with the Nook Booth world of, of your brassy pub. Could I also throw into the mix, you know, those long copper bed warming pans? Oh, yeah. That they sometimes have on pub walls. I think that's going to... And a yard of ale. That's going to reflect the light. Yes, very pleasant light reflection coming from that. With a sort of textured bottom it has, doesn't it? A sort of dented textured bottom to really... I love a textured bottom. A textured bottom, yeah. <laughs> like a sort of a Victorian mirror ball. Mm, Very lovely. like the... There's a... What's that brilliant coppery pub in Leeds that's got the a stupendously coppery Oh, uh, appearance? Oh, White Whitlock's Ale House. Oh, my God. That oh, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I keep making notes of things that your... Yeah. <laughs> places you're mentioning. I'm making loads of notes. If you ever do a gig in, in central Leeds, I want to get this right because I want to check that it's not Whitelock's. I think it's Whitlock's. I think it might be Whitelock's. I'm not sure. We had a drink with David Thomas Broughton in there, didn't we? Yeah, it is. Sorry, it's Whitelock's. It's Whitelock's Ale House. So you're walking down the city centre. It's like any pedestrianised you've got in like a... 
cash point, a McDonald's, a Primark, and you're thinking, well, it's just like anything. And then there are these two alleyways. I've got goosebumps, John. <laughs> <laughs> Literally between a sort of an M&S and a sort of a phone exchange shop. And one of them's got one pub in. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me. I need to. I need to find the name of the other one because I am so obsessed with White Locks that I've never actually been into the other one. So I think it's the Turk's Head is the other one. So I can actually tell you what shops it's between. So it's between a Breitling boutique, that like watch company, and a Vodafone. And you go between them and there's this road called Turk's Head Yard, which has got white locks and the Turk's Head on it. And there's sort of a few seats outside. I've never been in the Turk's Head because just white locks. It's got these beautiful green tiles on the bar and everything else is just shining copper. They've probably got 10 ales on tap. It's just... Imagine the poor person who has to clean that. But I think... You'd have so much pride in how it looked once it was done. Mosaic tile. That's a. That's definitely my pub's going to have that. And also they've got branded pint glasses and beer mats. Do you have a favoured pint glass, Angela, for your ales, by the way? I'm not that convinced that it makes that much difference. I know people are really, some people are really fussy about what they drink out of. Well, our mutual friend George Egg is very particular about not having the wrong branded beer in... In the in the beer glass, yeah. Well, there is something quite disconcerting about having an ale in like a Foster's pint glass. Mm. But I actually think for a cask ale, just the classic pint glass with the little sort of what's that? There must be a name for that type of pint glass, which I should probably know as the landlord. Uh, but just a your classic unbranded glass. Anyway, what's your second bottle, Angela? So my second bottle, I've gone for another beer, John, because I could, I wanted more than two. Ooh, now this could be a first. Right. So I've got my IPA, I've got my uh, bitter, I wanted a red ale. Now there's quite a few red ales that I like, but what I've gone for is one with a little bit of a family connection because my mum's family are all from Newfoundland. Canada and in Newfoundland there's a beautiful little place called Kiddy Viddy just outside St John's the capital and it's got this gorgeous old brewery there hang on say say that again it's called Kiddy Viddy (laughs) sounds like an offence it does a bit but they have a a red ale an American red um, and it's just called Kiddy Viddy 1892 and it's their traditional ale they've made it for decades and decades and decades and it just reminds me of being in Newfoundland it's because you just can't get it here um so as soon as we get there wherever we're staying we just get a box of that ready to you know take if we're going out staying in cabins or whatever we, we take kiddie Vidi 1892 with us so I want some bottles of that just to make me think of my family and uh, nice holidays kiddie Vidi 1892 it sounds like a pseudonym on a forum <laughs> Do you know, that it never occurred to me, because I've grown up knowing about Kiddy Viddy, it never occurred to me how dodgy that sounds until this moment. <laughs> it's Kiddy with a Q, I should say. It's Q-U-I-D-I-V-I-D-I. Oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> Easier to Google. I mean, yeah. If you Google it, look at how beautiful it is, the brewery. Well, Kiddy Viddy itself, the bay is beautiful, but... I think it's great that you know, lots of people choosing these beers that you can't get. There's something about this, you know, I like that kind of idea that there's a... 
you know, beers that you can't get normally. So memory has made them magical. <laughs> they also do it, Kiddy Vidi. They do a lot. I'm not a lager fan, really. It has to be a really hot day for me to drink a lager. But they do do a lager called Iceberg, which they make with... Because um, at Newfoundland, they have icebergs come in at a certain time every year. And um, they take chunks off icebergs and make it out of iceberg water. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Um, Amazing. So in fact, I've got a couple of empty iceberg lager bottles on the thing over there. But yeah, so if I had to have a lager, it'd be Kitty Vidi Iceberg. And have you ever sort of stumbled across it in England? And sort of had your heart leap out of your mind? Never. I'd love to. If I went into a pub and it had Kiddie Vidi 1892 in it, I would cry and then I wouldn't, I would refuse to leave <laughs> because that I would have found my place. Okay. Well, we're about to head for some uh, advertisements. Unless, of course, you're listening to this ad free as a Patreon subscriber, which you can do at patreon.com forward slash moon under pod uh so i actually i'm not quite sure how we're going to do this if you are a patron we're just going to go straight from the quiz to the answer so i'll have to pause it if you're not a patron uh then you'll have some adverts to help you consider the answers to robin's pub quiz okay everybody pens out eyes down it's time for the quiz played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Yes, welcome to the pub quiz. What would a pub be without a quiz? And what would a pub be without crisps? So my pub quiz this week is about crisps if that wasn't a brilliant introduction, but it is about crisps. Do you guys like crisps? Yeah. Crisps in pubs? Oh, yeah. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. In pubs, and you have to open it down the side and open it up on the table for everybody. If you eat a bag of crisps without doing that in a pub, you look like a psychopath. Yeah, you, it needs, you, need, you need to share. Please feel free to play along. Uh, there's no prizes. There's no prizes, but just have fun taking part. So question one, crisps. Which crisps am I talking about? So which crisps replaced the cheesy flavour with spicy in 2000 and produced limited runs of vanilla ice cream flavour in 2003 and pickled onion flavour which turned your tongue blue in 2001? Which crisps am I talking about? Ringing any bells? Crisp bells? Do you know it's ringing no crisp bells, but I love the title of a quiz round what crisps am i talking about? <laughs> yeah what crisps am i talking about okay question two what crisps am i talking about <laughs> this is the best quiz i've ever done <laughs> which brand invented the first flavored crisp production process in 1954 so which were the first flavored crisps which brand mm. yeah great question yeah so have a think about that so there's only three questions in this uh, crisp quiz. Question three. Which crisps am I talking about? Which crisps tagline was the disc that bites the taste buds? The disc that bites the taste buds. Which is quite threatening. <laughs> I'm taken out of context. That's your three questions. Have a bit of fun. And we'll see you after these messages. Selling a little? Or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to the Moon Underwater, everyone, unless you are a patron, in which case, thanks for sticking with us and pausing it to think about your answers. Um, So, Robin, put us out of our crisp-based tenterhook misery. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, shall I? I'll go through the questions again, and then we'll pass to Angela to give the answers. Okay, so question one was, which crisps am I talking about? They replaced cheesy flavour with spicy in 2000, and they produced a limited run of vanilla ice cream flavour in 2003, and pickled onion flavour which turned your tongue blue in 2001. I see, at first I thought knickknacks, but then the turning your tongue blue pickled onion, I thought maybe Monster Munch. But I'm going to stick with my original knickknacks. Ah, it's Monster Munch! Oh, is it Monster Munch? (laughs) Ah, Darn it! Damn it, yeah. Did they used to do cheese Monster Munch? They did. I remember cheesy Monster Munch, yeah, definitely. And I really like this on the Wikipedia page. Uh, When Spicy, now Flaming Hot, was introduced, they retired the Yellow Monster. I, I remember, and I don't know if it's a fake memory. I remember salt and vinegar monster munch. Is that a lie? I think they were. I think there was salt and vinegar. I remember having the vanilla ice cream monster munch, and they were absolutely revolting. They were so disgusting. <laughs> but um, they also did baked beans. But yeah, monster munch. Very well done if you got that home. Question two was: Which crisps am I? Which brand invented the first flavored crisp production process in 1954? Anyone get that? Well, it's one of three, isn't it? It's either Golden Wonder, KP, or Walkers. But I think Walkers has got the. Mm, I'm I'm saying Golden Wonder. Golden. Can I just shock you? Yeah. Tatoes. Was no! it really? Yeah. Tatoes. You set the dog off now. Look at that. I can't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> the, the the brilliant Irish crisps. Oh, I do love a tato. Yeah, I love <gasps> a tato. Um, Irish people who live in the UK will always get their family to send over tatoes. They are fantastic crisps. They're, they've got the best cheese and onion of any crisp, and I'm not a big cheese and onion fan, but their pickled onions are superb. Yeah, Tato's, the first flavoured crisps were Tato's. They invented the concept of flavoured crisps. Oh, uh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> 
Question three. Which crisps am I? Which crisps tagline was the disc that bites the taste buds? Is it discos? Yes, discos. Yes, love discos. <laughs> yeah. They do make your eyes water. Yeah, you get one I with think... all the powder on. Yeah, I think they're, aren't they your favourite crisps, discos? Yeah, uh, yes, I would say they are my desert island. Well, no, my favourite crisp is a limited edition that McCoy's have only done twice called Pickled Scrumion uh, that they do during the Rugby World Cup. It's the best pickled onion crisp flavour, which is my favourite flavour of crisp, but it's so fleeting. Well, that's again, this brings us back to Lost Pints, doesn't it? You like it because it's fleeting. No, I like it because it tastes so good. And when they're out, it gives me an excuse to buy three packets at a service station and just eat them all immediately because I can pretend that that's allowed because they're in short supply. Well, I'm really liking the limited run of Walker's Max KFC flavour. Oh, God. Yeah, they're they're actually really nice. Angela, what crisps would you have in the moon underwater? In your in- Chris, well, I've just thought about this for a short period. I think in the eighties, probably. Do you remember you used to get um? Oh, what were they called? Chips, I think they were actually or chip sticks or something like that. They were called like a puffy sort of, and they did a chip shop curry flavor. Oh yeah, one of those. I remember those. Yeah, I think. I mean, I had a problem with them. I think they mm. were incredible. Those mm. definitely. Oh, that's yeah. great. It should be a, the home for lost crisps, the, the moon underwater. Do you remember crisps called, and this is from my, you might be too young, but they were called piglets and they were bacon flavour and they were tiny little piglets. Have I dreamt them? Maybe I've dreamt them. Like a savoury Percy pig? Like a savoury, sort of, but they were, yeah, they were like. I think you might have, have I, dreamt I them? think you might have dreamt them. Maybe I have. In my mind, they taste like bacon fries, that, that pub snack. I can feel the texture on them because they were like little pigs. Piglet crisps. I'm just Googling them because I have to know. Yeah, no, they are. They're a thing. Google Piglet's crisps. Are they still going? No, no. They were very 80s, I think. Angela, amongst the booths, amongst the brass and copper, we've got Neck Oil, we've got Longman's Best Bitter, we've got bottles of Taylor's Tawny Port and Kiddy Viddy, 1892. And I have to say, it's a very rich pub in, in flavour so far. How's that going to be affected by your two spirits of choice? Hit me. Well, my first spirit of choice is a gin. I'm not into craft gin. I'm not a... Just a Gordon's is fine. But on a sunny day, sometimes I just want a gin and bitter lemon. The best mixer for gin. Absolutely, yeah. I'll have a gin and tonic's fine if they haven't got a bitter lemon. But if they've got a gin and bitter lemon is just... Yeah, summer's day. And that's a beer garden drink for me. So you're going Gordon's? Um, yeah, just a Gordon's gin's fine. I'm not fussy about the gin because... I'm sorry, but they do all taste the same. Whatever, whatever gin they've got, really. I'm not that... Fa- I'll have an Asda gin. I don't mind. Really? I will bear in mind this is a pub that is all desire. You might as well have a nice gin. I mean, it might be wasted on me, though. Okay, I'll have a nice gin, because there might be some friends of mine that would appreciate a nice gin. I couldn't tell you what a nice gin is, really. Well, I would say as a sort of a good hold-all gin, Tanqueray or Miller's. What do you reckon, Robin? Well, I think the thing is, when you're going into re- like nice gins, it's sometimes the flavour profile is like a bit too dominant, so you do want a bit more basic. So I think Tanqueray is good because it's like a good balance. But I think Miller's is quite cucumbery, isn't it? Or maybe it's often served with cucumbers. Well, my favourite gin is Brockman's, but that would be totally that wouldn't be of use to someone who wanted a classic dry gin because it's very sweet and fruity. Okay, so we've got uh, Tanqueray gin. Yep. 
And the other is I had to choose a whiskey because my fiance is a big whiskey fan. It's nice that you're building your pub to suit others as well. That's well, yeah. That's not that's quite a rarity in the Moon Underwater, I have to say. Uh, really, well, I just figured if if I didn't have a decent whiskey in there, he probably wouldn't come. So you know, <laughs> but also, so I asked him. I asked him if he could only have one whiskey for the rest of his life. What whiskey would he have? And after he'd stopped crying, he said a Talisker 10-year-old was his choice. So I'd have one of those. Again, whiskey, the only time I ever drink whiskey, really, is if I've got a cold, I'll have a hot toddy. But yeah, I'm not really, not a big whiskey. I don't dislike it. I just never really drink it. What's your hot toddy recipe, please? Uh, Lemon juice, freshly squeezed if possible. A couple of cloves, a bit of honey, a little bit of hot water and a not too peaty whiskey. I went through a hot toddy period and you actually use a tea bag. So you sort of mix uh, either rum or whiskey with honey, lemon and a black tea bag. It's superb. Don't know why, where I came across that recipe and maybe a bit of cinnamon in there and, and a clove as well. You got into hot toddies not when you're ill, just like, yeah, just just in, like just your general. drink. <laughs> <laughs> round of hot toddies. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a hot toddy when I've not been ill. It's like Lucas Aid. I don't think I've ever had. That's how I started drinking whiskey, though. Was I was ill, I was very congested, and I thought that my friend gave me a whiskey, you know, just to clear the tubes. And it was like, oh my god! And, and it was just the, the introducing the fact that you could have it with water it was like changes everything. And it was like, oh god, this is a brilliant drink. Matt has. I mean, if I just move my camera slightly, I don't know if you can see the whiskey collection on the side there's quite a lot but um yeah he he's sort of got a little pipette and a little you know he's very serious about his whiskey he likes pairing whiskey with a bourbon with a beer you go this bourbon's right for that beer and you know he that's how he entertains himself during pairing and um and certain chocolates go very well with different whiskeys so he likes to compare sort of certain dark chocolates with different whiskey oh yeah he'll bore you to tears with it forever he could set up a little app where you put in what beer you like and it tells you what whiskey to have or you put in what whiskey and it tells you what chocolate and all that kind of stuff yeah that's not a bad idea right that that's a really good idea mm. oh that's interesting mm. Okay, well, it's time now to expand our minds in the Moon Underwater pub library and see what piece of pub literature Robin is introducing today. Thank you, John. So today in the pub library, it's a tricky one because this is one of my favourite books. It's more a book about alcohol. And I wanted to avoid just doing books about alcohol rather than pubs, but it's so good that I wanted to include it anyway. And it's uh, Under the Volcano by Malcolm Lowry. I think it's the drunkest book I've ever read. It's really hard. Reading it is like being drunk. It's like very dissociative, you know, it's very confusing. It's hard to work out who's talking, (laughs) hard to work out where you are, what's happening. I remember when I was reading it, I sent you the great phrase in it, which is, deliver me from this dreadful tyranny of self, which ended up in one of your stand-up shows. (laughs) Very John (laughs) Robbins line. But um, it's a brilliant book about someone with a very tragic and written by someone with a sort of very tragic story in relation to alcohol. But some of the writing is so beautiful and so funny. So there's a, the hero is called Jeffrey Furman, and there's a scene where he thinks he's taking part in a conversation at dinner, but suddenly realises he's actually in the toilet of the restaurant overhearing the conversation. I mean, we've all been there. I mean, I haven't been there. One of my favourite lines is uh, where Furman's neighbour 
Mr Quincy meets him outside and says, Might I ask you if the next time you inspect your jungle you'd mind being sick on your own side of the fence? Which is, uh, which is great. <laughs> it's quite a shocking book and kind of a, maybe let's say sobering account of alcohol. It contains some beautiful prose. For him, life is always just around the corner, in the form of another drink at a new bar. And how indeed could he hope to find himself to begin again? when somewhere, perhaps in one of those lost or broken bottles, in one of those glasses, lay forever the solitary clue to his identity. How could he go back and look now, scrabble among the broken glass, under the eternal bars, under the oceans? It's a really great book, so that's my entry in the pub library this week, is uh, Malcolm Lowry's Under the Volcano. Oh, what superb selections there from... Under the Volcano by Malcolm Lowry, and I am more than happy for that to go into the Moon Underwater pub library. Super choice, and I've been recommended it by so many people I respect, and I did give it a go, and I have to say I found it too hard to get a grip on what was going on, because I'm a sucker for plot. It's really hard. I mean, it is like reading Joyce or Wolf when it's like you have to stop worrying if you're not getting it yeah <laughs> it took me a few goes i think is that another thing about getting older as well i think when i was younger i would take on a book that was a challenge and i would finish it as a sort of you know badge of honor to have finished it whereas now i'm if it's not got me in the first chapter you know time's running out i'm not wasting my time on it who's the goodie who's the baddie skip forward to the <laughs> yeah. end to check that the goodie wins <laughs> done exactly john <laughs> yeah but now, uh, Angela, you get a chance to increase our entertainment here because every every pub's got to have a jukebox. And as we always stress, pay, played at the appropriate volume. So <laughs> what album are you going to add to the Moon Underwater jukebox? Oh, this was almost as hard as choosing the draft beers because, again, it depends on your mood, doesn't it? So I've gone for an album that I am pretty sure is the only album I can listen to in its entirety, regardless of my mood. I discovered it when I was about 18, doing my A-levels maybe, and has been with me ever since. I've never, ever not wanted to listen to it. And that is Tom Waits' Closing Time. What a great title for a pub jukebox. It's a pub voice, isn't it? Tom Waits is, if you're, it's a barfly voice is what it is. It was that or Chaz and Dave. <laughs> How do you get on with the later Tom Waits then? Or do you do you enjoy the later stuff? I sort of... I don't listen to it as much. Like I quite like more variations and that's where it sort of stopped. Matt's really um, into the more sort of experimental, weird stuff than I am. I quite like accessible Tom Waits. Quite like early Tom Waits. Yeah, they've both got great qualities, I think, you know. There are some beautiful songs in the more experimental ones. So it's kind of buried in the in the noise, you know, which is which is nice. Yeah. Well my time went so quickly, I went naked is out to my old fifty-five as I pulled away slowly, feeling so So we've got Tom Waits playing Light Shining Off Brass, Light Shining Off Copper, into our nooks, where we are drinking Neck Oil, Longman Best Bitter, Taylor's Tawny Port on the glow, on the glow, and I, I do mean on the glow, 
because the light is shining through the port. On the glow. Uh, Kiddy Viddy, 1892, Tankery and Talisker, 10-year-old. For Matt, what's your wild card, Angela? Okay, my wild card's gone quite wild. I can even show you what my wild card is as well because I've got a bottle of it here. My wild card is a bottle of rum called Screech, Newfoundland Screech. I don't know if you've heard of Newfoundland Screech. Ooh, no. It's quite famous. So Newfoundland was famous as a, a cod fishing port and they used to trade salt cod with Jamaica for this Jamaican rum that now you can only get in Newfoundland. And when you are a person who's not from Newfoundland, so Newfoundland's a little island off the east coast of Canada. It's about the size of England and Wales. Only half a million people live there. I'm related to most of them. Is that near Nantucket? Is Nantucket in Newfoundland or am I... No, Nantucket's in America, isn't it? So it's not... Newfoundland's not a Moby Dick place. No, Newfoundland is a strange little place. So it's only... It became part of Canada in the 48, I think it was. If you go to George Street, which is the main street in um, uh, St. John's, the capital of Newfoundland, it's like you'd think you were in Dublin. It's the most Irish place outside of Ireland. And they all have... Irish accents, even though they've not... Most of my family have never been to Ireland, but they all have these mad Irish accents. My granddad, everyone, when he was over here, everyone thought he was Irish. It's a mad place. Google Newfoundland accents when we finished and it will make your day because they're beautiful. And if you're not from Newfoundland, you're called a come from away. In fact, there's a musical in the West End called Come From Away because it's a beautiful story of something that happened in um, Newfoundland on 9-11, but that's another thing. So um, if you're a come from away, when you go to Newfoundland, you have to be screeched in. And it's this ritual that I want to do in my pub because it's so mad. It's beautiful. So the Screecher Inner is a man in a full fisherman's outfit, like a sou'wester hat. He's got an oar and you have to, and they do the, these are like ceremonies that they do in selected pubs in Newfoundland. And when you go there, everyone will ask you if you've been screeched in yet and they'll book you into one of these pubs to go and be screeched in. It's a thing you have to do. <laughs> And what happens... Like getting your vaccine. Like getting your vaccine. It really is. You get a certificate and everything. <laughs> and you then, get your second screech and after you go 12 in weeks. And they, so there'll be maybe 20 people being screeched in that night, say. 20 come from a ways. And you go into this pub and then there'll be loads of Newfoundlanders that are just there watching you. And you all have to recite this little verse together which goes from the waters of avalon to the shores of labrador we've always stuck together with a rant and a roar to those who've never been soon they'll understand from coast to coast we raise a toast we love the newfoundland right and then your fisherman comes round, and he says to you is ye a screecher and you have to say and you have to learn this before you go in you have to say deed i is me old cock and long may your big jib draw which means, yes, I am. And long may your sails have wind in them. And then you have to eat a piece of what they call Newfoundland steak, which is a bit of bologna sausage. Then you have to kiss a codfish. So he then get, brings out a, an entire codfish that you have to kiss, a frozen codfish. And then you have to down a shot of screech. And then you've been screeched in. You're a, an official Newfoundlander. What a superb ritual. I'd never heard that before. So you're going to do this in your pub? I'm going to do it in my pub. I'm going to I'm going to be a little like um, embassy for Newfoundland in my pub. And so people can come and get screeched in and be honorary Newfoundlanders. And and the screech rum is it is it kind of pretty is it unpalatable or is it is it quite nice? It's rough as anything. Is it really? It's really rough. Yeah. Yeah, it's 80% proof. It's rough. Are you going to provide a vegan option for people who don't want to eat the steak or kiss the cod? I will. You can have a piece of tofu. 
Yeah. And kiss yeah. a scampi fry. And kiss a scampi fry. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <Done>. <laughs> well, what a superb story behind your wild card, which is scree is it screecher? Screech. Just screech. Screech rum. Lovely stuff. You're bard. Okay, well it's almost time, Angela. It's almost time at the bar here at uh, the Moon Underwater, but we do have the small matter. As you're in charge of your new pub, you are the landlady, you are the overlord. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to ban something from your pub, something that annoys you in other pubs. Now, I'm guessing it's not going to be dogs. That's absolutely fine. How are you, before we ban, how are you accommodating dogs in your pub? As, as someone who's not a dog owner, what makes a good dog-friendly pub? You can have dogs in your pub, but they have to be well-behaved dogs. I don't want dogs that are going to annoy punters. You know, if your dog's well-behaved, then it's welcome. And your dog has to be okay with strangers stroking it. Because if I go to a pub and there's a dog, I want to touch it. And if that dog's not okay with that, then they probably shouldn't be there. So only dogs that don't mind strangers making a fuss of them and that are well-behaved. And there will be dog water bowls wherever they're needed. And you can ask for dog treats at the bar and we'll keep a selection. I've got a dog who's allergic to meat because uh, I live in Brighton and apparently that's a thing. I've got a vegetarian dog <laughs> and quite often if you walk into a pub or something, they'll just come straight over and give her a treat without asking. And it's usually a meaty treat and then we have to deal with the disgusting consequences of that. Yeah, people would ask for treats and we'd have a selection of vegetarian and non-vegetarian dog treats. Um, and some dog toys if they want to, you know, keep them amused. But they're welcome as long as they're well behaved. Okay, that's good. So what are, what are you going to ban? Okay. Well, I thought about banning children, but then I thought, actually, do you know what? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I don't have kids, so it's hard for me to say, you know, I don't want to alienate all the people. Anyway, I thought about it and I thought, no, I'm not going to ban children from my pub. I'm just going to discourage them by not having an elephant climbing frame in the garden or anything like that, you know. <laughs> So there'll be nothing for them to do. They won't want to come. It's fine. So the thing I'm definitely going to ban is TV screens. Good choice. Um, I mean, I'm not a big sports fan anyway, but I just, I, I hate it because it, if I'm in a pub and there's a football match on, I still find myself looking at it, even though I don't, I hate football and I don't, I'm not interested in it. If a screen's there, I'm drawn to it. And that, if, I get really cross that that's made me do that. So just no screens. If you want to watch a football, go to a sports pub, go to the King and Queen in Brighton. They'll give you everything you need, but not in my pub. Well, also, I think when... So I understand that pubs put on sport to attract people who can't watch those sports at home because they may not subscribe to that thing or whatever. But what annoys me is when the sport is finished, it's almost like they just put on some random channel. So you then go from... Yeah, yeah. Or leave the com leave the you know after commentary thing yeah. or something. It's like we don't need to see. That. Yeah, you end up sort of like watching something you would never watch at home just because it's on, and you think, well, I kind of come to a pub to escape TV in that sort of world. I went to a pub in Northern Ireland last year in um, Port Rush, and it was a lovely little pub, but they had a big screen and it was showing the world ultimate frisbee championships and i ended up watching that oh, and i was man. like i don't i'm not why am i watching this but it's just so big and dominant in the room you couldn't not watch it there was a pub in lewisham called the carpenter's arms which was the closest pub to me when i lived there and i used to go there every so often with michael leg because we both lived nearby it's the first time i've ever been into a pub which is sort of a proper Irish pub in that all it shows is horse racing. So you had like horse racing from channels I'd never even heard of. And people would genuinely treat the pub essentially like a, a bookies. 
It was quite a weird experience. I mean, I'm not a fan of horse racing at all, but I found it sort it fit with the vibe of the pub, even though it was annoying and too loud, a lot more than, like you say, someone who leaves the channel on after the football's finished and you end up watching sort of um, MotoGP or skiing. <laughs> yeah, Midsummer Murders. <laughs> I once went to Bristol in Bedminster, opposite Asda Bedminster. There's a pub called the Barley Mo which looks like it should be quite nice, but it's not very nice, unfortunately. I don't want to get into the habit of slagging off pubs, but when I went in there, they had Emmerdale on really loud. <laughs> it just felt so weird. <laughs> I was in a pub once, genuinely. I was in a pub with my friend, and there was a small screen up in the corner, and we'd managed to ignore it, and I just looked up, and it was showing my episode of Russell Howard's Good News. <laughs> I just yeah. looked up, and I was like, oh, shit. We've got to go. (laughs) There's a very funny story that someone told me years ago. He's now passed away, so I won't say who it was, but he's in a brothel. I think I can guess who my other is. (laughs) These two comedians are in a jacuzzi in a brothel, and one of them just says, we got to go. And the other one goes, why have we got to go? I'm just having my complimentary lager or whatever it is. And he goes, we got to go now. So they go, and he goes, what the hell, what the hell's up with you? And he said, in, in about 90 seconds' time, I was about to come on Jonathan Ross. Because <laughs> they were showing Jonathan Ross chat show in this bottle. <laughs> and he was like, we've got to get out of it, because I'm about to be interviewed. <laughs> oh, man, maybe, maybe oh, that's, that's an anecdote that can stay in for the extended episode for patrons. Will you text me with who that is, John? <laughs> well, I can tell you who the comedian was that told me and then I'm gonna guess who it was okay because he wouldn't tell me who the other person was right okay do you remember being in um Roxy's that bar in Bristol and it was um Eddie the landlord there well I don't know if he was a landlord they, do you remember when Channel 4 did live autopsies oh yeah, yeah <laughs> and, that, that, the... and like he'd had just had the telly on and that came on in the pub it was absolutely it horrific. was that body works guy was it was yeah, it yeah. someone yeah, that was really puts you off your pint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that would put me off my pint less mm. than a football match, genuinely. <laughs> so, Angela, we're about to hand you your pub to take with you wherever your mind wanders. Hurry up, please. It's time. What are you going to call this pub? Just a recap. You've got Neck Oil, Longman Best Bitter... Taylor's Tawny Port, the light being thrown through it by the uh, copper and the brasses. Kiddy Viddy, 1892, Tankery, Talisker. The album that's playing is Closing Time by Tom Waits. And everyone who enters for the first time is being screeched with Newfoundland screech rum. So what are we calling this wonderful world? So, well, I didn't want a, a sort of punny name, really. But what I've come up with in the end is I wanted something cosy. My first thought was the bunker, right? Because I love a bunker. And I thought, oh, you're not hungry. But then I thought, no, it doesn't. It's not quite the... I still want something quite oldie-worldy. And now... that would The bunker would fit if you'd gone for a more brutalist design, Exactly. I think. But what I've gone for now is something that is... I'd like to think a bit romantic because my partner's surname is Wooden and my surname is Barnes. So I've gone for the Wooden Barn. Oh, oh that's nice. so nice. <laughs> oh. So is that spelt as in W-O-O-D-E-N? 
B-A. That's right. And you're going to add an E to barn? I could do, couldn't I? So it's like a bit ye olde. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. A wooden barn. Mm. Ye, ye wooden, wooden barn. barn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Well, we wish you well in the wooden barn, Angela. And I think it's the perfect name for a superb pub. But I'm now going to have to call time at the bar, I'm afraid. And I think to play us out, we should have a little bit of Martha by Tom Waits from your jukebox album, Closing Time. So we thank Angela Barnes, we thank the lovely Robin Allender, and we thank all our patrons. And if you would like to join their number, head to patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod. But until next time, when we reopen our doors, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from the moon underwater. Operator, number please. It's been so many years. She remembered my old voice while I fight the tears. There you go, folks. The fantastic Angela Barnes with her perfect pub. And we watch her. She's actually skipping down the street. That's how happy people are when they leave the moon underwater. She is skipping down the street. And uh, next week, we welcome over the threshold podcaster and comedian Taylor Glenn, who is usually known as a drunk woman solving crime, but hopefully when she comes here, she'll be a drunk woman solving pubs. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 